Welcome to the Mariners podcast from Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. It is Sunday night, June 23rd. The Mariners just lost 4-3 to the Toronto Blue Jays uh, in the final game of the three-game set. They still won the series, but we've got some things to go over. Uh, in this Mariners cast, I will cover the last two games of which the Mariners split. Uh, we'll talk about <clears throat> kind of where they stand and then what moves I think uh, I'm ready to sign off on as far as what the Mariners should do. Uh, despite the uh, winning the series and taking two of three from the Blue Jays, who are a very good team, uh, I am of the opinion that the Mariners need to do something and do something pretty quickly. Uh, this does not look like a playoff team to me. The offense does not look like a legitimate offense. Um, it's pretty ugly right now. Uh, but we will go through that and talk about a few of the players that I feel like need to go. So the Mariners are 50 and 49, 99 games into the season, one game over 500, eight and a half games behind Texas, four and a half games out of the wild card. However, there are six teams in front of the Mariners in the wild card race. And the Mariners have a plus 28 run differential. So Still a talented team, still a team waiting for their stars, uh, most notably Julio Rodriguez, to to get hot and step it up. But it's getting late. Uh, the American League West is almost out of the question at this point in time. And uh, a wild card berth is something that, you know, the Mariners are going to have to get really hot really quickly in order to make that happen. Um, I do want to go through Saturday and Sunday's game. Real quickly, uh, you know, they were entertaining games. They were back and forth. Uh, certainly the presence of the Toronto fans made uh, T-Mobile Park a very intense and uh, uh, electric place to play. A lot of fun to watch, certainly. So the Mariners won uh, 9-8 on Saturday. Uh, Mariners went up 3-0 in the third after the third inning. They were down 5-3 after the top of the fifth, down 5-4 after the fifth inning. They were down 7-4 going into the seventh and scored five runs and then held on to win 9-8. These kinds of games are the kinds of games where, you know, you can say the team has heart, right? You can say that, you know, that the comeback was really fun. There was a lot of positive energy. Certainly, it was a, an awesome game to watch. Um, but I do think that in this game, there was some some room for concern. Uh, bottom one, Julio Rodriguez took 94 down the middle from Kevin Gosman for strike three. And while I understand Gosman has literally the best split finger fastball in the major leagues, um, and that would cause Julio to kind of be uh, in conflict as far as whether he's going fastball or splitter to take 94 down the middle. It's so clear that he's guessing up there and that he's looking for specific pitches. And I think a lot of times doesn't know what to look for. Um, he's a 
you know, elite hand-eye coordination, 99th percentile athlete who needs a lot of help as far as understanding the uh, the nuances of hitting. And I think that this year will hopefully help him or motivate him to do that. But it's frustrating for me to watch. As much Mariners baseball as I watch, pitch to pitch, I just, and I love Julio. I roster him in my home fantasy baseball league. Uh, he's a player that I've been really high on since the minute the Mariners signed him. I know that's easy because the signing bonus was big, but, you know, a player that I went out on a limb for. And I just, I think that there needs to be more, uh, more studying, more book work done by him. Uh, because right now he's guessing wrong all the time and he's swinging way too much. And him, Julio taking 90 or 94 down the middle from Gosman in the bottom of the first was just frustrating, right? Now, bottom three, the Mariners hit three solo home runs off of Kevin Gosman, which was, I did not expect. Cal Raleigh started it off. Dylan Moore hit one. Dylan Moore looks to be playing a little bit better um, as of late. It's a good sign for the Mariners. And then Julio hit a solo homer. Uh, pull side, which is actually a very good sign um, that he hit it to left field. So the Mariners hit three home runs in that inning. You would have liked to have seen them not all be solo homers, but fact of the matter is they still hit three homers. They were still up three, nothing. Uh, in the top of the fifth, Logan Gilbert surrendered a home run to Kevin Kiermeyer. Uh Kevin Kiermeyer is not a great hitter. Uh, that's not, not a great sign from, from Logan. And then he gave up a two run home run to Brandon belt. And, you know, belt is a, if you followed him in San Francisco, he's just a notorious low ball hitter. And he hit the home run off of a low pitch. I think that when you know a, a, a hitter can only hit within a certain zone, don't throw the freaking ball there. It was incredibly frustrating for me to watch to see him hit that that home run because even even though I haven't studied Brandon Belt, you know, uh, intensely, I know that he's a low ball hitter, and to throw him that pitch and allow him to hit that home run so the Blue Jays could take a four three lead was frustrating. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. followed up Brandon Belt's home run with a solo home run to left field. Toronto was up five three, bottom five. Kyle Raleigh hit another home run. This was a solo shot. Again, location is important. Gossman is a fastball splitter pitcher, likes to live low in the zone. Kyle Raleigh is a notorious low ball hitter. Uh, makes sense that he would be able to hit Gossman. So Raleigh hits a home run. Jays are up 5-4. Jays go up 6-4 on a Dalton Varshall RBI single in the top of the seventh. They go up 7-4 on a an error by Teoscar Hernandez in which he lets the ball roll past him. The ball looked to have taken a bit of a turn on the turf, but even so pretty inexcusable from a major leaguer. Mariners are down seven, four, obviously, you know, you're worried that they're going to lose this game and bottom seven, Colton Wong, RBI single JP Crawford clutch two RBI double down the line, down the right field line to tie it at seven, seven, and then Teo came back to haunt his former team with a uh, – he laced a double 
to left field to drive into Mariners go up nine seven, hang on to win nine eight. Uh, stars of this game offensively, uh, Cal Raleigh two home runs, two for four, two runs, two RBIs. Dylan Moore two for four, two runs and an RBI. Uh, Taylor Scar obviously the two run double that he hit. He went one for four. Uh, J Rod one for three, two runs, an RBI, and that solo home run. And JP, two for four with a run and two RBIs. So Mariners got plenty of offense in this game. They hung on to win 9-8, as I said. Uh, Logan Gilbert was not great in this game. He he threw more fastballs than he typically does, about 10% more fastballs. He was up velocity-wise slightly on the fastball, the slider, and the splitter, down a little bit with the knuckle curve. Uh his whiff rate was 22%, 10 whiffs on 46 swings. You know, that's below league average. Uh, he just didn't pitch very well. And he gave up five hits in eight innings, five runs, one walk, five strikeouts, but the three home runs. Uh, Spire, Brash, Isaiah Campbell, Andres Munoz, and Justin Topa pitched the final four innings for the Mariners, um, in which they ended up winning again 9-8. So, Mariners go into Sunday, two-game winning streak, feeling good that they rallied back from uh, down 7-4 in the seventh to win. Uh, Good vibes all around. Would I feel different about the Mariners had they won today and swept Toronto? I'm going to say no because the offense just looked bad. Um, Mariners lose 4-3. Uh, Brian Wu takes the loss, goes to one and three. He ultimately goes six innings, four hits, four runs, one walk, seven strikeouts. He actually pitched much, much better than giving up four runs in six innings, in my mind. Uh, More velocity than we've seen from him. He topped out at 98.4 on the four-seamer and topped out at 97.5 on the sinker. Uh, his pitch mix was very similar to where uh, he is on the season, about twice as many four-seamers as sinkers, and then half as many sliders and cutters as sinkers. So uh, about 50, 50 to 51% four-seamer, 26% sinker, and then 12 and 11% slider cutter. Uh, he was up velocity-wise on every pitch. He got 34%. Uh, whiff rate, 17 whiffs on 50 swings, but he looked good. And yes, I understand that he gave up a couple of home runs, but Brian Wu looks like a legitimate number two, number three starter if he can stay healthy. Um, he's smart. He's infl- unflappable. The four seam sinker mix is something that the Mariners teach. That's very clear. And then some sort of slider or cutter. Uh, fun to watch. He was, it was an easy 98. Um, I don't know where the extra velocity came from, but it looked, it looked great. So great sign from Wu. Um, really excited to see him pitch the way that he did. It wasn't enough because the Mariners offense did not uh, provide uh, enough for him to win. Mariners go, go up to nothing. Bottom two. Go, uh, Toronto ties the game 2-2 in the fourth. Games tied 3-3 in the sixth. Uh, Wu comes out for the seventh, which I didn't quite understand. 
gives up a walk, and then that walk ends up being the uh, the winning run. So, again, offense was bad. Mike Ford did hit a uh, a big home run, the two run home run. Uh, he also walked. He's continuing to rake. I, I think Mike Ford is. You have to think about him as a legitimate, uh, a legitimate uh, DH, like a, a strong side platoon DH moving forward. I, he's he's that good. Um, as long as he gets fastballs to hit and gets into fastball counts. Cal Raleigh went one for three, but he had a walk and two runs scored. Uh, Dylan Moore had a big uh, pinch hit single to drive in a run. So just no run support. Mariners mustered five hits in this game, five walks, only one extra base hit. That was the home run by Ford. And this game is, is why I feel like the Mariners need to do something a bit more drastic than, than um, just around the margins. Again, they're one game over 500, but you get, you know, even though Wu gave up four runs in six innings, you get what is a, pretty good performance from a rookie pitcher who is your number five against a very good offense in Toronto at home and you can't win. The offense is, is, you know, from a, an advanced metric standpoint and a run scored per game standpoint, league average. Uh, But a league average offense is not going to get the Mariners to the playoffs. I think we know that at this point in time, despite the fact that the Mariners have great pitching this offense is not going to cut it. Uh, you know, when you go position by position, I think Cal Raleigh and Cal and uh, Tom Murphy is a good platoon. I'll take that. That works for me. We'll talk about Ty France in a minute. We'll talk about second base in a minute. Uh, Eugenio Suarez is, you know, I know that he hasn't hit for a ton of power as of yet. He looks to be getting hot. As I've said before, he's historically a uh a second half power hitter. He's also played really great defense at third. And I think that's something to consider in terms of, you know, who you look to replace first. JP Crawford has become an often almost offense only shortstop in a, in a game that's uh, predicated on walks and on base percentage. There was a play in today's game in which had, you know, it was a, a, I don't know, he moved towards third base in the hole to try to, uh, to short hop a ball. And had he scooped it and gone to second for a force or been able to uh, turn the double play, the Mariners would have been in a much different situation. And, and, it's a ball that you would expect a major league short, a good major league shortstop to catch and a play that you would expect him to make. And he didn't make it. And I think part of JP's value is that we all think of him as the type of shortstop that makes the routine plays and that has the capability of making the spectacular play on defense. And he hasn't been recently. I, you know, there was a game a couple of weeks back where he, had an error, I think it was an error, that really hurt the team. And in this game, had he made that play, I think the, the, the game may have turned out differently. He just, he's not, 
I don't think he's the player that the rep that his reputation says he is at this point in time. And it was disappointing to see him not be able to make that short hop and throw. Um, I will say let's ride with him for now, but the minute uh, Cole Young, Felon Celestin, any of those guys, Axel Sanchez, Michael Mor- – or not Michael Morales, that's the pitcher. Uh, uh, Colt Emerson, any of those guys, the minute they're ready, I'm ready to move on from J.P. Crawford. I love his leadership. I love his enthusiasm. But the reality is, as I said in previous pods, he doesn't run very fast anymore. He doesn't play very good defense. He doesn't hit for for very much power. He's a probably – ultimately a sub 700 OPS shortstop. What he does do is walk at about a 14% rate. And that's about it. Um, Difficult for me to say. Left field. I think Jared Kelnick is the answer. I do think that you'll have to carry a Dylan Moore type on the roster uh, to hedge for Kelnick against tough lefties. But I think he is the answer long-term. He looks to be the answer long-term. Cade Marlowe clearly was not Mariners brought up Taylor Trammell to replace him left field. I'm not going to worry about too much. Finding a right-handed short side platoon corner outfielder is not very difficult on the free agent market. So I'm good with Kelnick, obviously Julio in center. Uh, Teo is a free agent at the end of the year. As much as I love him um, personally, on the Mariners, I, I think that the Mariners are probably better off unless you sign him to a uh, less than market deal, right? You sell, sign him to like a, a three, 45 over three or 43, five over three, like Mitch Hanniger got that kind of deal. Yes, I would re-sign him in a heartbeat to that kind of deal. But if he's looking for... uh you know, 80 over four years or 100 over four years, that's a pass for me. As much as I like him and enjoy him as a player, I don't think the Mariners should be looking to upgrade over him. I do think that if the Mariners lose, you know, a number of games in the next week or so, say they lose two of three to the Twins and then two of two of three over the weekend, then because he's a free agent at the end of the season, I do think maybe you think you maybe look to move him to a contender. Um, And then DH, I think Mike Ford has obviously played incredibly well as the strong side platoon DH. Uh, But if you can acquire a Cody Bellinger, a Jorge Soler, even a Tommy Pham, as I spoke about on the previous podcast, you do it knowing that Ford is still going to produce, it just might not be at the same, uh, he might not get the same number of plate appearances as he's getting right now. So where are the positions the Mariners need to improve? What positions can the Mariners improve in order to make the playoffs this season? To me, it is second base very clearly. I think we all know that. Um, I'm not paying the price that it's going to cost for a Brandon Donovan as people want to point out, but Ian Happ from the Cubs, as I've said before, yes, uh, absolutely. I think you could play him at second again, as you did, as the Cubs did in 21. I think that's 
a potential solution unless the price for Donovan is not a Mariners starting pitcher, current starting pitcher. I like him as a player. I don't think giving up Wu Miller or Gilbert for Brendan Donovan makes any sense at all. Ty France is terrible. So, okay, let's go back to Wu real, or Wong real quick. Colton Wong is hitting 160, 240 with a 451 on base plus slugging percentage, a 7.7% walk rate, 21.9% K rate, and he has one freaking home run in 196 plate appearances. He also is, is does not have the range that he did when he came up at second base. He's an average at best second baseman. Colton Wong has to go. And Jose Caballero and Dylan Moore are not the answers against right-handed pitching. They're just not. They are short side platoon, utility, middle infielders, and Dylan Moore has the capability of playing the corner outfield. That's who they are. Do not try to put a square peg into a round hole and replace Wong with one of those two. It's not going to work. But Colton Wong has to go. They have to DFA him. It's time. I'm over this. I was a Colton Wong apologist. I talked about his WRC plus over the last two years with Milwaukee. I talked about how Milwaukee was a bad park to hit in. You know, all these things, defending Colton Wong, excited when they signed him or when they traded for him. I always say that. He's terrible. He's got to go now. Bye. DFA him. Get rid of him. Ty France, 249, 322. Ty France has a sub-700 OPS on the season, 694. Seven home runs in 407 plate appearances and a 5.2% walk rate. From your first baseman, from a position where you could have a 6'4", 300-pound dude play in that position who's a slugger, and you wouldn't care because it's first freaking base. First base has a history of Bob Hamlin, Steve Balboni, Gorman Thomas, Frank Hatt. Like, every huge dude ends up at first before their DH. Because they can't feel, but they can hit. And the Mariners can't even get hitting from that position. It, Ty France is, is toast for me. I don't care what it would do to the clubhouse. I don't care what the fans, that fans like Ty France. He has to go. When he was producing like a right-handed Mark Grace and hitting 290 with, you know, 18 home runs or so, that is acceptable. You're still looking for an upgrade on that, but it's acceptable. Right. Well, I'm getting production from from other positions, so it's okay. At that play, at that point in time, this year, nope, no way. He's got to go as well. First base and second base need to go. Now you can replace Ty France by trading for a DH and moving Mike Ford to play first base. Right, that can happen, and that I think is the solve for first base production. I think you you get a Solaire, you get a Fam, you get a Bellinger, right? You get any number of the guys that I talked about on the last podcast, and you understand that Ty France is just done. Maybe the Mariners need to give up a bunch for a Paul Goldschmidt, right? But 
Solaire, Bellinger, Tommy Pham, even like Carlos Santana for all of the things that we don't, we think of him not being on offense has a 693 OPS and Ty France has a 694 OPS. I'm done with him. I didn't think he was great to begin with. And he's been horrible this year. You want to look for why the Mariners offense is league average and not great. Start there. Start with France. Start with Wong. The Mariners don't have a ton of help. You know, in, in theory, they could promote a young player who and give a young, talented player an opportunity to replace that production at second or first. The Mariners could play Didi Gregorius, who they signed to a minor league contract at second base as they strong side platoon. I think he's probably a better hitter than Colton Wong at this point in time. That's a possibility. I think he's there in case the Mariners decide to DFA Wong. Sam Haggerty is still in AAA. Uh, Jonathan Classe, who I've talked about previously, is in AA. He's produced a ton of home runs and a ton of stolen bases. He's 21 years old. I don't know that he's the answer. And if you did play him, you would end up DHing. Probably DHing. Uh, I guess you would, now that Kelnick's hurt, you play him in left. But if Kelnick was healthy, I'm guessing that maybe Teo would DH some or one of those outfielders would DH to give them their bodies a rest. And then the other one is, J- is uh, Jake Shiner, who is 27 years old, originally a, a fourth round pick of the Phillies. He's right handed, uh, 6'1, 200, could play. I'm guessing he's a DH type. I'm not guessing. I know he's a DH type who is listed as third base and first base, but really he's a first baseman if that. Um, but this season in AAA, where Tacoma is a pretty fair park, but a lot of the AAA Pacific League, Pacific Coast League parks are um hitters hitter friendly. He's hitting 272, 391 with a 950 OPS and 24 home runs and 389 plate appearances. So the type of player who, if the Mariners are desperate, could give it an opportunity to potentially replace some of those Ty France at-bats. But fact of the matter is the Mariners don't have really any kind of replacements in the minor leagues that are going to really improve this offense immediately. Um, so the Mariners need a DH. The Mariners need a second baseman. I am pleading with the front office to not give up starting pitching, major league starting pitching to improve one of these areas. I think the Mariners starting pitching is their strength. It's what they're good at. Um it's the reason why they would make the playoffs if they did. I just, I'm pleading with the front office to not trade one. But if you're going to trade one, I think Logan Gilbert is the right mix of value in this moment and lack of true upside. He's the one pitcher that I'm not truly confident in of the five that are currently in the rotation. Bryce Miller and Brian Wu are just, they're, man, I can't say enough about either of them. 
I talked about Brian Wu today. Bryce Miller is, you know, he threw more sliders last game. I think he is a fastball slider guy, but the fastball is so elite that you just, you don't deal that kind of double plus pitch. You just don't. Um, Kirby and Castillo speak for themselves. I think Gilbert is, you know, the fact that the fastball is not the elite pitch that it once was, uh, and that he still can't really find that that breaking pitch to really lean on, right? So he throws a lot of sliders now. It is a good pitch, not a great pitch. It's above average. I wouldn't call it plus. The splitter is a plus pitch, but he hasn't thrown it enough yet. And he has enough of these starts where it's five innings and four runs or five innings and five runs that – it makes me nervous at times. I think the, and I don't think the strikeout upside is there. I don't think the, he doesn't have the ceiling that the other four do. Um, I think his ceiling is that of a, maybe a number two, but probably a number three. The one thing he does have going in his favor is health. He's been healthy the last couple of seasons. And I think that's a big deal. So if I was going to trade one of them, it would be Logan Gilbert, because I think, you get more for Gilbert than you would for Wu or for Miller because he's proven it over time uh, and because he's remained healthy. But I think he lacks the upside that that uh, Wu and Miller do. So I don't want them to trade any of the pitchers. If they do trade one, Gilbert would be my pick. Um, Colton Wong and Ty France, the Mariners need to come up with a solution for those two yesterday. And I expect Jerry DePoto to actually do something about specifically the second base position um, this week. Again, the Mariners are 50 and 49, eight and a half games behind Texas, four and a half games out of the wild card. Uh, we'll play the Twins in Minnesota starting tomorrow. That'll be a fun, uh, that'll be a fun series. Luis Castillo goes tomorrow for the Mariners against. Kenta Maeda, George Kirby against Pablo Lopez on Tuesday, Bryce Miller against Joe Ryan on Wednesday. The Mariners have an off day on Thursday and then travel to Arizona where uh, they play a uh, very good Arizona Diamondbacks team. But I think the Mariners have a good shot this week to make up some ground I know Minnesota matches up very well with the Mariners, but you've got your one, two, three, or one, two, and then Miller going uh, in this series. So the Mariners stand should stand a good shot uh, to take two of three in this series. So we will be back tomorrow uh, to preview the twin series. I'll break down the two starting pitchers that are going. I will dig a little more to see if there are specific players outside of the ones I mentioned on Saturday that I would like the Mariners to target. But we're really at a crossroads because this week, these next 10 days, nine days, will determine obviously what the Mariners do at the deadline. And the deadline is fast approaching on August 1st. So going to be fun. Uh, Don't know if the Mariners are going to turn left or right. Uh, Definitely a fork in the road. Excited to see what happens. Don't know which direction is the right one even now. 
But going to be fun. Mariners take two of three from Toronto over the weekend. Should have some positive vibes going. Uh, again, excited. This was Sunday's Mariners cast. We are presented by Sports Ethos. Once again, you can find me on Twitter at Tino Junior 20. That's T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0. And the podcast at Ethos Mariners. E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Hope you enjoyed the weekend. Hope you enjoyed that barbecue. Hope you had a couple of beers. We're moving on to Monday. Enjoy it. Go Mariners. Talk soon. Peace.